Welcome everybody, my name is Corey Allen and this of course is the Overton Report. Now with so much happening, uh, yesterday we took a break, we recorded about half the show yesterday which was Monday, uh, which is our usual airtime. But with us following up on uh, on some of the events that were happening yesterday, we went ahead and decided to push it until today, Tuesday. Fox News, Fox News, Fox News. As somebody who doesn't really watch Fox News very often, because I don't, I don't really trust corporate media uh, at all, about a week and a half ago, two weeks, three weeks maybe, they... Uh, ended their contract with Dan Bongino. Uh, Dan Bongino, very successful um, ex-Secret Service agent who has made quite a name for himself in conservative, uh, in the conservative talk show realm, radio. He's on Rumble. He's actually a part owner of Rumble. Real good dude. Had a weekend show on Fox News. And he says that they couldn't come to an agreement with their contract. Then, of course, we had... Uh, the Dominion lawsuit settlement. And after that, a couple of days after that, Tucker Carlson, the highest rated show on the network. Um, actually, I think, you know, Tucker Carlson and, and The Five, which has Greg Gutfeld and four other hosts, those two shows kind of go back and forth uh, being the top rated. Which is interesting because you have to have five personalities to even compare to the one that is Tucker Carlson. But Tucker Carlson was let go. The more that we learn about it, it does seem like it was something that caught him off guard. That was not expected. He had more than three million viewers every single night. That's a lot of people. Actually, I think that's like 10 times the average viewership of CNN, who incidentally fired Don Lemon on the same day. <laughs> uh, now, I think this is actually a good thing because after the November uh, 2020 elections and after the embarrassing way that uh, January 6 was covered by Fox News, it became very clear very quickly to a lot of people, that Fox News was only slightly better than MSNBC. Uh, we've seen Fox News act as a, kind of a case in point uh, of the Republican Party, right? So we'll see the Republican Party uh, and the more moderates uh, or liberals within the Republican Party uh, gradually but consistently move the party, the Republican Party, to the left, right? Just enough to make people complain to their televisions, but not quite enough to make people uh, act. So in South Carolina, we see this with uh, the same type of thing happen with elected officials. You'll have uh, people who are dyed-in-the-wool Democrats and act as leaders, donors, for the Democrat Party, working on Democrat campaigns, elected uh, as Democrats to uh, leadership positions and, uh, and and things of that sort. And then suddenly they will decide that they're not getting the traction that they want in the Democrat Party. So they suddenly switch and become leaders in the Republican Party and they're celebrated for it. I, uh, I recently spoke with uh, Shannon Montgomery and uh, John Cummings uh, up in Myrtle Beach uh, about this phenomenon. We're seeing it. We see it in the state often. Uh, actually, here's what I here's what I had to say about that. Uh, you know, we, we had that issue down down in uh, in Somerville, Dorchester County as well. One Democrat county councilwoman. It was after the. 2020 election, after all of that, she decided to switch parties and become a Republican, making all of Dorchester County's elected positions be held by Republicans, right? Mm -hmm. But this is uh, Sandy Sin out of Charleston is another great example. I mean, she worked directly with 
the the very very liberal leftist Charleston uh, city, mm-hmm. and then became a Republican state senator. But she is uber liberal. Mm-hmm. This is what I don't understand when when people like I understand switching switching parties, especially the crazier you see the Democrat Party get. Yeah, uh, that the crazy the more they they leave people out, and those people you know, just by default, move over to to being more conservative because of how insanely liberal and left wing the Democrat Party is getting what I don't. So I understand that. And I applaud it. What I don't understand is a leader within the Democrat Party, an elected official, somebody who goes on on the news, even like a Democrat activist who's pushing leftist positions, suddenly switching and being just by automatically a leader mm-hmm. for the Republican party or the conservative movement or yeah. idea. That's what's crazy to me. It's like, no, you were a leftist. You now admit that you had no idea what you were talking about. And now you want to be our leader. You, don't, you sit down. You're in kindergarten now. Yeah. You, you get to learn right. what we believe. You don't get to run the show. You admitted everything that you thought was wrong. So sit down be quiet. You're not a leader. I, I don't yeah. understand why we don't have people stopping that from happening. Yeah. And, and the headline is always, hey, look, another Democrat switched over to the Republican Party like it's a good thing. Yeah. If, if you're an elected official and you switched, well, guess what? The Republican Party just got more left leaning than right leaning. So it's not necessarily a good thing. And I, I want to get back for a second, Corey, to the fear issue. Mm. Uh, when you are in that position as a Republican and you're not in the Freedom Caucus, I, I me personally, and I want to get your your feel about this. I think the fear is they don't want to be labeled as a far right wing, radical, racist, religious fanatic, homophobe, fill in the blank. Yeah, I, th- I think that that is the case with uh, with a, with a number of them. I, I think that's actually the vast majority of it. Right. They're, they're afraid of uh, those labels and being written about in the Post and Courier. They're yeah, they are afraid of that. I think that there's another group of people, uh, smaller, probably that are more like maybe they come in, especially with the freshman uh, freshman caucuses, they come in and they have certain projects, conservative, Republican, whatever projects that they really want to to move forward. And they are immediately picked up and co-opted by leadership. And, you know, they're brand new in this stuff. So yeah. they're immediately co-opted and that, that leadership's like, we will help you get this bill passed. So how, how much does it mean to you? If it means something to you and you want it passed, well, you you know, you should probably just stay away from this topic or that, that group. And I think that that happens a lot. Peer group shift is, is what it's called. So yeah, they run the uh, Palmetto politics page. Definitely give them, uh, definitely check them out if you get a chance. So Fox news has, has acted as kind of a microcosm of that same thing happening, uh, gradually and, and consistently shifting the party and the platform to the left. So it really isn't that big of a surprise when you consider Tucker Carlson is one of the few people on any corporate media site that or 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 television program that that pushes conservative issues, asks tough questions of the people in the power structure. But it is surprising because of how how highly rated his show was. They had to know that this was going to upset their viewer base. But at the same time, corporate media doesn't care about their viewer base, right? They care about the ad sales and their sponsors and their shareholders a little bit less because the shareholders, when it comes to the shareholders, the way you keep them happy is by selling more ads. Uh, I've seen some connections to Pfizer with all of this stuff because Pfizer and, and Big Pharma are some of the biggest advertisers in all of the media, actually, which we're, we're starting to find out now had a lot to do with the uh, the COVID scare, you know, consolidating power under big pharma and those big pharmacy names, which is interesting because the United States is the only Western country where advertising is legal for uh, pharmaceutical companies. I find that very interesting. In Europe, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. And I think rightfully so. I mean, I don't I think that uh, pharmaceutical companies and, and their their drugs have proven themselves, uh, especially prescriptions, 
have proven themselves to be much more harmful than, say, cigarettes. But they're allowed to advertise to an end consumer a drug to people who have no medical training and who have no idea. It's, it's, it's a very manipulative practice. So anyway, and that's given them a lot of power, especially when the government demands that you get one of their products in order to be in the military or work in any government agency uh, and put high pressure on states uh, and private businesses to do the same. So that is, I mean, that was a scary time for all of us, but that's a very dangerous precedent to set. You must, you must take this private company's medicine in order to work here or shop or go to the movie theater, right? Very, very creepy stuff. But a lot of people believe that that had something to do with Tucker's ousting from Fox News. I think that there might be something to that. That mixed with the January 6th footage that he put out because, you know, People uh, people in power were very angry that he released that footage. But we've talked about that before. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that there might be something to that. But Tucker Carlson will land on his feet. If you're looking for something to watch instead of Fox News or read ex- instead of Fox News, you know, Tucker Carlson owns The Daily Caller. He's a part owner of that. and he uh, And they do some good work. And then, of course, you have The Daily Wire, uh, and you also have Blaze TV, really good programs there. Uh, I'm a subscriber to all of those. But this is part of a larger, broader, organized attack against conservative thought and conservative media. It's been relentless. At the same time that this is happening, Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire, who, of course, is has had one, one hell of a year uh, in a good way. What is a Woman, the book and the documentary, uh, one of the highest rated documentaries in the country and most hated, which is really cool. Well, at the same time that Tucker Carlson was being fired and, and in the lead up to that, Matt Walsh was attacked in a much more organized and insidious way. We know that the left will stop at nothing to harm their political opponents. They have no moral quandaries or moral hang-ups the way that conservatives do when we are going after the left, right? So, for example, we've seen the left fake hate crimes in order to blame Trump supporters uh, and the media run with it. We've seen we've seen the left instigate riot and 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 fighting and then blame it on conservatives. We've seen that happen. Uh, We've seen them go to Supreme Court justices' homes illegally and nothing happened. We've seen them bail out rioters like Kamala Harris, raising money to bail out people who actually cause harm and damage to private property and violent attacks on people. Uh, We've seen, we've seen all of these things. They, they will stop at nothing. Well, Matt Walsh had his phone cloned. Okay, so what does that mean? What happened was it was a SIM card cloning. A hacker worked his way into tricking the phone company into believing that that Matt Walsh was on the other end of the communication, uh, claiming that he had gotten a new phone. And so they sent him a SIM card with the phone number and which had all sorts of two-factor identification uh, and passwords and things of that nature. So then he, uh, this hacker, went on to uh, clone the phone, change Matt Walsh's passwords to his Twitter and things like that, and started just posting crazy hate-filled tweets. And it got it was it was stuff that I can't even repeat here. Uh, very very dark, disgusting things. This is a felony. This this man had access to Matt's photos, all the stuff from the, like cloud, like photos of his family, his email accounts, his uh, uh, everything, bank stuff, had access to all of it, and the left cheered it on the whole time. 
liberal and Democrat operatives, blue checks on Twitter, even leftist journalists were asking this this hacker to send them all the information from the phone, like the emails and the DMs and the photos and the, all of this stuff, illegal stuff, right? So while Matt Walsh and his entire family are holed up in their home, and Matt Walsh, you know, you can go to uh, YouTube and, and watch his most recent video. It's about 17 minutes long where he discusses everything that, that happened as a result of this, uh, of this hack. They had 24-hour security because these people had like literally their entire his entire life by doing this. And it turns out that the hacker even said that he had inside help. Now, I believe, we don't know yet, but I believe that that means that the person that helped him was, was most, that helped this hacker was most likely working for the phone company, the phone, the cellular provider. I think that that is what happened. But here's the crazy thing. So Gizmodo published an article on this and the headline is that, and this proves to you that they just don't care because imagine if this happened to anyone on the left, what, what the case would be. I mean, it would just be pandemonium. They would be calling for the head of whoever hacked into, I don't know, Sean Penn or Joy Behar. They'd be calling for their head, but when it happens to Matt Walsh, it's okay. So here's the headline. Matt Walsh's Twitter hacker says he was just, quote, stirring up some drama. The alleged hacker, who goes by Doomed online, says he used SIM swapping to get access to Walsh's account. Here's how the, here's how the story reads, and this is going to tell you what you need to know. It turns out spewing conservative vitriol across your social media platforms can make you a few enemies. Right-wing personality Mount Walsh's Twitter account was hacked, and the alleged culprit has now said that it was because he had nothing better to do. In an interview with Wired, <clears throat> and uh, Wired is where the journalist worked that uh, got the initial interview with Doomed, the, the hacker, who was online asking for the hacker to send the private information that he had stolen from Matt Walsh's phone which actually cost that wired journalist his Twitter account permanently. Elon Musk banned him for that, so that's good. Anyway, in an interview with Wired, Doomed, the hacker's alias, told the outlet that he was bored and was stirring up some drama when he hacked Matt Walsh's Twitter account. Doomed claims he took control of Walsh's social media account and published tweets that included messages like, quote, you know what you did, you are a closeted homosexual and hide behind being Jewish, referring to Ben Shapiro. And Joe Rogan is a pedophile. And there were way worse ones than that. Okay. Quote, the intent was to make funny tweets as Matt Walsh likes to trigger people. Doom told Wired. We caused no financial harm. Threat didn't threaten anyone. Didn't ruin anything. It was merely, he says, a few silly words on social media. Except he gave the Wired magazine writer access to uh some of some of like some five-year-old emails of matt walsh's and it's like you broke into this dude's phone you stole his information you changed his twitter passwords and, and other passwords so that you could get in there you did all of this you committed all these felonies right and in the act of committing them you are telling us well i didn't do anything i didn't cause any harm or threaten anybody we're supposed to just trust you on that? Doomed claimed that Matt Walsh's phone was hacked with help from an insider. He also got access to Walsh's Google and Microsoft accounts. And this is fine? See, the reason that the left believes this is fine is because they see conservatives as less than people. Of course he doesn't, of course, of course they don't believe that they're hurting people because they don't think you're people. They don't think that you're a person that can be hurt. They see you as less than. At the same time this happened, Matt Walsh gets demonetized from YouTube, costing him, he says, upwards of $100,000 a month. They won't tell him what rules he broke, but just that it was hate speech and they gave him three examples 
Uh, they also took some of his videos down. They gave him three examples. Each of those examples had to do with none other than Dylan Mulvaney. One of the three strikes that they used to demonetize Matt Walsh uh, in this very well-organized attempt at uh, isolating and ostracizing Matt Walsh from being able to continue doing the great work that he does uh, was because he called Dylan Mulvaney he. He said he is a man. So yes, that was one of the egregious uh, things that cost Matt Walsh his monetization on YouTube. So this is their plan. This is their game. And they will continue doing it, which is why we use uh, Substack, like the OvertonReport.substack.com, because it won't happen there. Matt Walsh, and then they, they use Daily Wire. So because of that, Matt Walsh is not going to be putting a show on YouTube anymore until they fix that. But it will be available for free on Daily Wire, which I think is really cool. So this is that double standard that we see over and over and over again. This is something that will not stop. This is something that we're going to have to really sit down and think about ways to defeat this type of censorship because it is only going to get worse as the, the, the elite people in power continue consolidating their power worldwide. It's going to get more and more difficult uh, to get any actual true information out there. This is going to be the case for a long, long time. And uh, while there are ways around it, I really don't, I really don't see it changing anytime soon. So this is the goal of the left and uh, the, the established order, the power brokers in DC, in South Carolina, throughout the nation, uh, and actually throughout the world. I mean, these globalists, right? This is just the latest in the, the left's war on truth, war on reality, and war on what is right. It is something that, that permeates the entire show today, but, but that's because it, it's something that permeates uh, our, our entire lives at this point in America. And to that end, let's move on to the next subject. Hold on, it's going to get kind of dicey. The institutions that the left takes over always either fail or prove themselves to be everything that the left accuses conservatives of being, whether that be fascists, racists, bigots, hateful. <laughs> First, I want to start with LinkedIn, the, the least important social media site on the face of the earth, LinkedIn, which, if you're not aware, is basically a, uh, a social media site for professionals uh, that really has a, has a big focus on resumes, finding jobs, uh, recruiters for, for companies use it all the time to find candidates. It's a big networking, like kind of professional networking site. Well, LinkedIn is now going to allow, <laughs> I can't even get through this, LinkedIn is going to allow employers and recruiters to filter their search for candidates by race, sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. Basically, it's going to allow them to filter out straight white men and straight white women, unless you're trans. I guess if you're a guy and you tell everybody you're a woman, and so now you're a trans woman, and you like men, does that make you a straight white woman? Because if trans women are women, and you're a trans woman, and you like men, d does that make you a straight white woman? I guess it depends on uh, the day of the week, or the convenience of the argument in that in that moment, huh? Just like everything with the with the left, it is arbitrary. So I'm going to read you. Uh, this is something that, you know, for some reason, the news, the media have not really picked up a lot on, which I, I don't I don't know why. Well, yes, I do, because LinkedIn is a good little ESG partner and they are part of the <laughs> the woke corporate world. So 
says an update to the LinkedIn. This is from uh, Outkick.com, one of the few sites that are uh, actually following up on this. Outkick.com. An update to the LinkedIn employment service allows recruiters to filter job candidates by race. The move was made in the name of diversity, reports the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire also reported on this. Users now have the option to, quote, allow demographic information to be used in LinkedIn recruiting features to help recruiters find a more diverse group of qualified candidates. Specifically, a recruiter can highlight their race, sex, gender identity, or sexual orientation to help them find a job. So this is uh, part of their diversity and recruiting tool, and this is discrimination that's encouraged by the society at large and it's really getting out of hand 10 five ten years ago you couldn't imagine a company a recruiting company being like hey you're gonna go ahead and need to put your race and your gender identity and your sexual orientation down because this company is judging their candidates by those criteria they have too many men. They have too many straight people. They need some. They need. They need an African American. They need. Oh, they need. Uh, they, they've got. They filled their quota of Asians. So because of your immutable characteristics, you are out of the job search. You you cannot. You you will not be considered. Doesn't matter how qualified you are. Doesn't matter how how much you want the job. How hard you've worked to get the job. You are the wrong color. You are the wrong gender. You are a man who does not have mental illness. We need men who have gender dysphoria. Uh, you are a woman who is married to a man that disqualifies you from this job. Can you imagine? But here's the crazy thing. I'm wondering what will eventually happen if there's a company on LinkedIn and they're using this in a way that doesn't coincide with the way that the left wants it to be used. So, for example, what if a company decides to use this, this tool? They start filtering it out for white men or straight women or straight men. Is that going to be used against the company? Will LinkedIn blast that information out and let people know? Oh. They're using this tool to get white people. That means they're racist. You're only allowed to use this tool to get minorities. You're only allowed to use this tool to discriminate against a certain race and a certain sex and a certain sexual orientation. Remember bake the cake, bigot? So what happens when this is used exactly the way it's set up, but not for recruiting the preferred identity groups? What's going to happen? What do you think? I think we all know how that's going to turn out. But it's really scary. It's really, you know, when when discriminating against a group of people becomes not only uh, normalized, but encouraged. When it becomes, when you have major companies, brands, institutions that are, you know, in bed with with government because the government uses LinkedIn and you know, there are these, there's no question that there's an incestuous relationship between big companies, big corporations, especially social media networks and the government. When it becomes institutionalized and encouraged to pick a group of people and it becomes okay to discriminate against them to the point where you can say you don't deserve to even have a livelihood. You, you don't deserve to have a job because you were born white and you, and you aren't in a same-sex relationship. When that becomes institutionalized, it is a, just a couple of very, very short steps away from what the left has wanted for a long time. They're trying to egg on some type of like race war or, or genocide. I mean, it's very, I mean, I don't want to speak hyper hyperbolically here, but the language is there the uh the policies of discrimination that are happening all over the country 
I mean, they are there and they are word for word, policy for policy, exactly the same as in other eras, shall we say, of discrimination in Western society that led to genocide. It's there. All of the ingredients are there. And it seems like the will is growing stronger every day. And that's not a small thing. That's a scary thing. Um, and, when, and when things like that happen, I mean, it, it, it inherently causes an extremism uh, to rise up and exist. And again, I think that that might be one of the short-term goals of these institutions of the left. They, uh, they want a reaction. Because then they get to point to it to, to and use it to clamp down on us, us Americans, anybody who thinks that it's wrong. So we've seen the revisions uh, to history with the 1619 Project and the, the crazy, complete falsehoods that, that are being pushed in school, uh, whether it's these fake history books in their school libraries or it's assigned, like stamped, has been in, in many South Carolina schools. Uh, by Ibram Kendi and Jason Reynolds, we see this systematic erasure of historical figures, of historical truths. Uh, We're seeing this right now uh, with Netflix. Now, Netflix, of course, their their documentaries are are questionable anyway, but the latest example is is pretty insane. Uh, I think that most sane people would agree, and Almost all of the insane people prove our point <laughs> in, in thinking that it's not. But Jada Pinkett Smith just released a documentary, or what, what Netflix calls a documentary. It's part of a, a, a series called African Queens. And it's about Queen Cleopatra. Now, Queen Cle- Cleopatra was queen of Egypt, which is in Africa, of course, is in North Africa, during the time where Rome basically ran the world. But what's got people in an uproar about this specifically is that uh, Cleopatra is being portrayed as a, as a black woman. And it's a documentary. This, uh, I don't know why this is okay. I don't know why a company like Netflix would allow something like this. Because it's very well known, first of all, that Cleopatra... She was a, 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 a descendant of uh, one of Alexander the Great's generals. After Alexander the Great died, his generals split up the kingdom that he had, he had built, and Cleopatra was a descendant of them. There are busts of her. Like, when she traveled to Rome, there's a bust that shows her a very prominent Mediterranean uh, nose, very, very European features. I mean, there's no question. There's just no question about it. Red hair. I mean, there, there are descriptions of her. It's not, this isn't even questionable. So they've done this. They've made this documentary and it has people in an uproar because of the historical inaccuracy. This isn't The Little Mermaid, which you can argue one way or the other, I guess, because it's a, um, ethnically, it's a, The, the Little Mermaid is a, is a European story, <laughs> You know, written by one of the the whitest, almost translucently white Northern Europeans who wrote that that traditional story. And again, that that's not allowed to you're not allowed to do that in the reverse, right? Um, which is interesting, but it goes back to what we're saying. You know, this institutionally acceptable and societally acceptable uh, bigotry is only allowed to flow in one direction. But with this, I mean, you have Egyptians right now that are filing a lawsuit. So this is from Newsweek. It says, Netflix is sued for depicting Cleopatra as black. An Egyptian lawyer on Sunday filed a lawsuit over Netflix's Queen Cleopatra, accusing the streaming service of erasing Egyptian identity for depicting the ruler as a black woman. Mahmoud al-Samari submitted the legal complaint with Egypt's public prosecutor following the recent release of uh, a trailer for the docudrama series. His filing not only requested legal action be taken against the makers of the show, but for Netflix to be shut down in Egypt. 
quote, most of what Netflix platform displays do not conform to Islamic and societal values and principles, especially Egyptian ones, he said in his complaint. Adele James, a British actress who is of mixed race, stars as the queen in the upcoming Netflix production. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith serves as executive producer of the series, and she's quoted in promotional material from Netflix as saying, quote, We don't often get to see or hear stories about black queens, and that was really important for me, as well as for my daughter and just for my community to be able to know those stories because there are tons of them. Well, that's crazy to me because if there are tons of them, then why do you have to take a Greek woman and then a historical figure, a very important, relatively important historical figure, especially to Western society, and pretend that she's that she's a, a, a black person? I don't I don't understand why if there are so many and there are so many stories about actual black women that are very inspirational, including queens in Africa, why do you have to rewrite non-black historical figures and then completely revise them to be uh, of a different race or ethnicity than they actually were? That is another mark of genocidal thought, rewriting historical figures to not be the uh, less preferred race or the less preferred ethnicity. It's not a good thing to do. So the director is defending against the casting and, and her quote is, what bothers you so much about a black Cleopatra? It's like, it's not about, and and this is, this is what, what the left and, and uh, the people of this new ideology, uh, critical race theory, especially, this is what they, this is what they do. They, they always try, they always try and make the argument or make the person that they're arguing against seem anti-black. But it's not about that. It's about the historical accuracy, right? I mean, these are the ones that are like, teach real history, teach real history, teach real history. But all they ever do is revise it and come come at these historical, uh, important historical figures and historical events from a complete uh, revisionist historian, critical theory way of portraying these events and they will lie completely make things up and use very questionable non-contemporaneous sourcing for their for their depictions for their arguments um it's very rather than they will they will take a contemporary of cleopatra for example who wrote about her and uh described what she looked like talks about everything from her red hair to her green eyes, and they will toss that out for somebody who wrote in 1955 out of like Burbank, California. No, actually, she was a she was a black woman. You see, so they'll throw out contemporary uh, sourcing for some revisionist fresh out of grad school. This is what the Nazis did as well. They did it very often, erasing the contributions of people of Jewish ancestry completely and that's what's happening here and this is the thing leftists are racist they are bigots everything to a leftist is seen through the lens of identity immutable characteristics characteristics like your race your ethnicity your sex i mean we've gotten to a point with this trans ideology that uh they're even willing to make up some intersectionality identity groups like trans, non-binary, things like that, as a way for uh, people who are not in the preferred identity groups to uh, to prove to the mob that that they're willing to to submit to that power structure, to intersectionality, which is why you have Mr. Beast, the guy with a hundred million, two hundred million, three hundred million subscribers on all of his YouTube channels, very popular, especially with the younger generation. That's why you have People like his co-host, a man who's married and has a child. but he, So that means he was a straight white man. And that's a non-preferred group in the modern leftist identity politics. So now he comes out as trans. And suddenly, suddenly, he is now part of the preferred victim class. 
So they even have created things like that, where if you sacrifice your white straight maleness with the use of hormones and by mimicking womanhood and by mutilating yourself or your children, that you too can become a part of the preferred victim class and you too can have that privilege that it affords in today's modern Western society. Okay, so leftists just are everything that they accuse conservatives of being or anybody really who's not in lockstep with whatever their soup du jour is in the moment. Uh, just days ago, a uh, congresswoman and, and third string member of the squad, Pramila Jayapal, I think I said that right, and uh, a woman born in India, uh, she made the case for granting amnesty to tens of millions of illegal immigrants, demanding that we do it because, quote, because they pick our food and clean our homes. You heard that right. Jayapal said, quote, and this is from uh, the National Review. Jayapal says U.S., quote, needs immigrants because they, quote, pick the food we eat and, quote, clean our homes. This is how they think. The progressive congresswoman's controversial comments, says National Review, came during a House Judiciary Committee markup of the Border Security and Enforcement Act of 2023. Jayapal spoke during the session in favor of creating pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants currently living in the U.S. Basically, she's arguing for amnesty while the left continues to encourage this mass migration uh, this massive takeover of the United States by people from Central and South America, mostly men of fighting age. And of course, we've had a massive uptick in Chinese nationals crossing the border as well. <sighs> Quote, Trump's policies combined with his anti... Yes, yes, it's back to Trump derangement syndrome as always. Trump's policies combined with his anti-immigrant rhetoric made us less safe, less competitive in attracting the best and the brightest, and undermined our most basic human values of compassion and kindness, Jayapal said. So let's all take a minute to recognize the hypocrisy of every anti-immigration debate, she added. This country needs immigrants to survive. Immigrants pick the food we eat, rebuild our communities after climate disasters, help construct our infrastructure, power our small business economy, clean our homes, and look after the children and our families. First off, the uh, anti-immigrant rhetoric didn't make us less safe. Refusing to build a wall on our border as Millions of tons of fentanyl from China came over that border via Mexico. That made us less safe. Allowing cartel members to traffic children and women. I think it's, I think it's what, one third or two thirds of the women and children crossing the border are sexually assaulted. No. That makes us less safe. That hurts our society. Not the best and the brightest working for those cartels. I'm sorry, it's not. Like, uh. So then she went on to say that immigrants strengthen our economy, our food supply chain, and our ability to compete. Basically, she's making an argument there for untaxed, low-paying wage slavery of immigrants. That's who the left are. That's who they are. But at the end of the day, she's not going to be pressed on this because... She has the protection of the left's unbreakable shield of hypocrisy on her side. She's allowed to hide behind that shield of liberal hypocrisy because she's submitted to them and because she is not a member of the non-preferred class and race of people. See, but this is who the American left is inherently, which, which is why they project so indiscriminately their own bigotry on those of us who don't believe that certain races or ethnicities are incapable of making it in the United States. We don't believe that your, your race, we conservatives, we don't believe that your race or your uh, sex or any of those things make you inherently less than or an inherent victim. We believe that you 
no matter what immutable characteristic you may have, can find success. And it's funny that people like Congressman Jayapal don't believe things like that or claim that they don't because she was born in India, okay, came here alone at 16 years old, and now she's a congresswoman in the United States Congress, the most powerful country in the world. But she still holds on to it. She still holds on to the victimhood narrative, and she uses that America is racist trope in order to hold on to and gain more power. It's disgusting, but it's what she does. It's what she does, and it's what everyone in the squad does. It's what everyone on the left does. And they tell people, after they break people into certain identity groups and classes, they tell them that without government intervention, without these handouts, without the left, that those people, those identity groups, would be incapable of making anything of themselves for themselves. And we see those policies enacted and fail over and over because those policies reward inaction. They reward a victimology. They encourage helplessness. And they do it because those at the top of that pyramid of power want to hold on to their power. And God knows they can't let their constituents understand that they have power in and of themselves and the ability to make something of themselves without help from the top of the pyramid. And that's why leftism is inherently bigoted and uh, inherently destructive to society, which whatever society it is, pick one. China, Russia, uh, North Korea, pick one. Cuba. And this is how it works with uh, these these types of uh, identity groups and and the power structure they 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 work in this way where they claim victimhood over and over again uh, so that so that whatever institutions will give them more and more power because that's that's what leftist political philosophy is about power 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 dynamics power structures institutional power. If you're on the outside of the institutional power, it's about subverting the institution until you gain power over it. And then it's about consolidating that the power within that institution once you have hold of it. I think that's an uh, undeniable truth. The entire purpose of uh, leftist political philosophy and, and what we're seeing happen over and over right now is uh, what happens when they gain those institutions. Now... They, they have, uh, the left has the media, uh, entertainment, and news media. They have all of the bureaucracy. They have the three-letter agencies. They've taken over the justice system to a very large extent. And now they're silencing their political opposition. We see it with Trump. We see it with Dan Bongino, Tucker Carlson, Matt Walsh. We see it on a day-to-day -day level uh, with just everyday people being afraid to speak out. Uh, and that is what inevitably happens in every leftist society when the left gains power. That's what we're seeing right now. And they will always shout you down. They will not debate. They do not want to allow debate. They will never have a good faith discussion. They can only shout you down. They create entire fake scenarios such as transhood and uh, critical theory, critical race theory. And they do that so that when you speak out and say, that's not real, that's not true, they then will come in and call you a bigot and a racist because their goal is to ostracize you, push you into the corners of society, take you outside of the Overton window so that you, when I say you, I mean us, people with conservative ideals and principles, so that you are not allowed in polite society. That's why they change the rules constantly. That's why everything, every tradition must be upended. Every truth must be twisted. Every political stance must be 
malleable in the moment because it's about control for them. It's about control. And it has been. And we've seen we've seen this take on a whole new life over the past four or so years. We all know what happened in 2020. Battle after battle after battle after battle to wear you down. And there's nothing that will stop them except us standing up. So they use one of Saul Alinsky's rules. They isolate, personalize, and attack the person. Consistently. Whoever the leader is, they have to hurt that person bad enough to where other people around them won't stand up. Or other people with the same views will think twice before expressing them. That's ubiquitous throughout the movement of the left. Take out the loudest, take out the most effective, and it makes other people afraid to stand up. Take their job, that's cancel culture. Take their job, take their ability to feed their family away or threaten it. That's where all of this stuff comes from. Coinciding with that is the revision of history and the rewriting of cultural norms. And that's another thing that we're seeing right now. Thank you guys for joining me. You can check us out at theovertonreport.substack.com. You can catch us every Monday night uh, at 6 p.m. on Big Patriot Radio. And you can also follow me uh, on Facebook. Just search uh, facebook.com slash Overton, Or you can just search Corey Allen or The Overton Group on Facebook and, and I'll pop up. I, I really appreciate your support. I really appreciate you listening to me. We've got a lot of uh, a, a lot of things coming up, so stay tuned. Keep your eyes peeled and keep fighting the good fight because this is a culture war, and that's not hyperbole.